0: So I spent eight hours a day being a very, very successful electrician, businessman. Uh, and then the rest of the, the other 16 hours a day was getting high.
1: And so when this this guy, these guys from the church came in while you were selling, while you were selling your dope, were you like, what the hell are you doing here? Like- no. You're interrupting, you're interrupting my, my business. i, I, I let them
0: know, no, don't come in with no microphones because I'm selling dope in here. Yeah. So don't come in here with that loudspeaker. Huh. And And they, they always said, okay. Yeah. So just that one day is when they decided to bring the suit. Were there any strings attached to this suit? No. What did you think? I, I See, that's weird. I was thinking, what else can I get?
2: It starts with just taking that leap
0: to work hard. You
2: have to be incredibly
1: smart. Choose something that even if it fails, if it fails you are yeah. going to be proud of. It. it doesn't matter how badly you got beaten in Be kind, be kind, be kind. Become a better person, a better leader, a better business. Go with your <laughs> I'm Samuel Donner, and this is Finding Founders. Okay, still listen. The Tenderloin list. is known as the grittiest neighborhood in San Francisco. From the high crime rate to the common drug use, most people wouldn't be caught walking through after dark. But today, Dell is walking me through the streets of the Tenderloin and showing me his unique perspective. Before Dell was a San Francisco community activist and the secular mayor of the Tenderloin, he was a drug user on these very streets for 18 years. Because of that unique experience, he's intimately aware of how to bring real community issues to the local government. From the historic calls of Glide to Code Tenderloin, an academy that teaches people how to code, to pivotal encounters with local figures like Pastor Joe, Dell's mission is clear, to uplift the Tenderloin community through compassion, resourcefulness, and unwavering okay. commitments. But now, let's get into the uh, interview.
0: Where are we just, where, where do we just leave? That was, we just left Code Tenderloin, which is the site of my nonprofit that we deal with workforce development, housing, uh, relationships, Recovery, uh, just by A to Z. A to
1: Z, everything. A like to everything Z. to basically help people to get yeah, on their feet.
0: Yeah, there's, there's no coming in my door. There's no. We don't use the word no. If we can't do it, we'll take you to someone that can do it. Yeah. Can you tell me a little bit about like the neighborhood we're in? Yeah. So we're we're in the Tenderloin. We're actually in the transgender cultural district right now, which is centered in the Tenderloin. And this is what well, people don't know a lot about. Some of our 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 sex choices actually started here in the Tenderloin rather than the Castro. Really? Castro, more from the Tenderloin. Why is that? Well, the Castro was a very heavy Irish American Catholic neighborhood, and then they opened up a couple businesses on Castro Street that pertained to LGBT, and then the traditional residents in the neighborhood fled. They did a LGBT, (laughs) no, that's exactly what happened. And that became became the new center for the LGBTism wow. in San Francisco. This corner right here, we're on the corner of of of, of uh, Turk and Taylor, famous infamous corner or famous corner depending on who you are. This is where the insurrection of LGBTness started in the United States. This was the Compton's Cafeteria riot. Wow! Uh, and there's a plaque here. You just see one on the wall. I wonder what happened to that one, yeah. Oh, they took it off the wall, put it there, duh, okay. Wow. I mean, there's so much history here.
1: I mean, also with you personally, too. I mean, you've been, how long have you been been in this area? I've been in
0: this neighborhood 38 years. 38 years. Yeah, I've been on this corner 38 years. And I try to bring everyone together and try to make sure people understand how to get their resources and how the resource people can get to the people that need resources. Yeah. So I just kind of put everything together. Yeah,
1: and I mean, like I was seeing it this morning, uh, just now. I mean, you were going in and
0: out of calls. You were talking about yeah. a bunch wait, wait, of people. Wait, wait, I gotta grab my hat, cause he'll try to steal my hat. I got my hair like you know. How you doing, baby? I'm good, man. Good, to see you, man. Okay, who's that? Uh, yeah, th- that's that's Walter. He uh, he and I worked together right across the street. This was the original, original Joe's. Which yeah. is the most famous restaurant in San Francisco? You want to cross really quick over here? Huh?
1: You want to cross over to that side? Okay. And see yeah, it? yeah, 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 yeah. You didn't grow up in uh, the the Tenderloin. You uh, you started in Chicago, right? I started in Chicago. Yeah, yeah. What was
0: what was like growing up in Chicago like? Most ridiculous place to live, especially in the in the wintertime. Yeah. Why? Well, yeah. A very. I mean, very educational uh, upbringing because you learn a lot. Yeah. You become grown very soon. When you're 12 years old, you're grown. Why is that? Well, you got to kind of fend for yourself. Most of us grew up in single family, I mean, single parent of uh, families. Yeah. And you tend to have to get it yourself. There was no resources like they got now. So this, this was the original Joe's restaurant. Yeah. The most infamous restaurant in San Francisco.
1: Why is it the most infamous restaurant?
0: Because it was, it held... Places where the Supreme Court judges, the mayor, the governor, would be here every night. Every night? So this is like a who's who
1: of of San Francisco? This was
0: the place to be. City Hall is just a few blocks that way. Courthouse is just a few blocks that way. The governor's office is just two blocks that way. Yeah. So it was a very infamous place. If you read the the Zodiac Killer, this is where he got his victims. Really? There was a bar here, and that's where he sat down the night and got his victims. Oh my God! <laughs> Very story. There. So yeah. if you see the movies Out There, Kelly, you see this. They filmed it here. Really? Yeah. Oh
1: my goodness. All right. Um, so in like high school, you're in Chicago. Do you have any like recollection of uh, being drafted for Vietnam?
0: Oh, uh, I know I was drafted. I don't remember when, where, how. Yeah. Well, I know I didn't want to go. Well, so why am I going to go over, go over it, here, and do anything? They ain't never done nothing to me. There's the you... people here that's doing something else.
1: Yeah.
0: And I couldn't go to Canada because I didn't know nobody in Canada. You were anybody. thinking about going to Canada? Hell yeah. Yeah. But then I said, well, I don't know no Canadians. <laughs> and I don't know no Vietnamese. So I might as well go to Vietnam because I don't know either one of them. Do you remember what Vietnam was like? Yeah, yeah, but I don't talk about that. I really don't. Yeah? That's stirring. Yeah. I got PTSD. I got 100% disability over that.
1: Really? Oh yeah, really. Just because of how like intense it was.
0: Yeah, the intense. I was a medic. You were in helicopters. I yeah, I was a helicopter medic. Yeah. How'd you know that? Yeah, I was a helicopter medic.
1: <laughs> what was? It? Did you, but you didn't fly the helicopters, or do you know how to fly a helicopter? No, I, I wasn't a pilot. No. No. <laughs> I was a crew. never had to take over once. <laughs> no. Did you in, enjoy the the work of like helping people though? Yes, I did. Because like I like. It seems like it's something that you brought back with you because you ended up doing, like, uh, medic work for, you know, the fire department yeah, and, it, and it medic was, work back at Yeah, it was a such home. a match. Yeah. What did you enjoy about doing that? Like, like, do you remember? Because, I mean, obviously, you said it was, like, a very traumatic time as well, but...
0: Actually saving someone's life... Yeah. ...meant a lot. That you were able to do almost like a miracle.
1: Do you remember any of those lives that you saved? no, no. no. no.
0: This building here, I actually uh, um, rappelled down the building two years ago. What? From the roof, from the you, roof. I got bro- videos of it. You rappelled down that two years two ago? Two years ago? Two years ago. How old are you?
1: I'm uh, 75. You're 75, so Thank you're God. saying at 73,
0: you rappelled down that building? Yeah, it was a- um, What possessed you to do that though? Oh, it, hey, how good, how you doing? Good morning. Right. Hey. I almost got that same shirt. Oh my god, he's uh... Yeah, yeah, we it's it's the Tim Walking Tours, but the same ladies. Yeah. I thought it was one of them, one of those series. Hi I'm Sam. How you doing, Sam. Nice to meet you. Good to meet you too.
1: Uh, Who's that?
0: That's uh one of the people that works for Glide. This is Glide, mm-hmm. and he does a harm reduction. Mm-hmm. What does harm reduction mean? You know, clean needles, clean apparatus, clean stuff. So baby. Yeah, up. All right. Good. Uh, yeah, so this is Glyde, You know Glide. No, it's Clyde. Glyde. Glide is like the center of uh, homelessness. Did you see Pursuit of Happiness? Yeah. Okay. This is where they shot that at. Really? This is this is where they shot Pursuit. Let's let's take it. Hold the camera down a little bit yeah. as we come in. Come on in. Okay. Hey hey. What's up, baby? What's up, hey hey. Okay. So this is our. This kind of gives you the idea of what we do here at Glide. This is this is our founder. So this was the home of the Black Panthers. Wow. So we've been here like 70 years. We're uh, uh, you
1: weren't around here when, when uh... Uh, they were using this as as their headquarters, right?
0: A little bit. I actually smoked dope with Yuri Newton years ago.
1: <laughs> really?
0: Yeah, yeah, I, I sure did. But I wasn't around. I came like right after that episode ended. How did, how did you get into that situation? We were both in, the, in Oakland on the streets together. Really? Mm-hmm. Let's go up and see. Maybe we can get a picture of the of the sanctuary. Yeah. I actually gave the sermon here. This is the church I gave the sermon on this, this past Sunday.
1: You're a pastor too?
0: No, I'm a, sub- I'm a lay pastor.
1: Lay pastor.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so a lot of famous people have been here. Mm. President Clinton was here. Angela Davis was here. My Angelo, who was here. Mm. She's our poet poor, our poor of, of Glide. Mm. Um, man, uh, Tom Cruise. Uh, a lot of people from L.A. has been here.
1: Why has this become such a, like, cultural hub?
0: It's, uh, hey, Pastor, this is our pastor. Hello, pastor Sam. Ramon. Nice to meet Sam. you. Yeah. Nice Sam's from you. L.A. Okay. Bring them around the Tenderloin. we want to show them the sanctuary. He asked the same question. Oh, is he
1: curious, like, why this has become such a cultural hub? Yeah. Because, like, uh, Del was saying, there's, like, been presidents that have come through here. There's, like, movies that have yeah. been filmed here. Like, I'm yeah. curious. Yeah, yeah.
2: I, I think... You know, at on each and each decade, like CISO, our founder, was able to to really understand the moment and what mm. the people needed. You know, and so in the '60s, you know, what was it like? Vietnam War, yeah. Korean mm. War stuff, anti-war protests, mm. Summer of Love, early women's movement. You know, um, queer organizing. Even the sex workers had a hooker's ball here. Wow! Like at each point in these histories, like he opened the doors wider when other churches were closing the doors, and so I think people looking for what you know MLK's beloved community looks like and seeing it in action, they could find it here. Yeah. You know, um, and yeah, and he was a singular charismatic figure, so a lot of people came to see him. You know, I think you know, since he stepped down, we've kind of decentralized, you know, so people can come in through programs, which we have dozens and dozens of, or they can come through the Center for Social Justice, or they can come through the church now. So it's not all based in one person. So mm. we have clearer ways in which people can come into the building, but, but we're, you know, and he's a, this is a community anchor too. We, you know, for the, for years, it was like, when something pops off, go by Glide we don't have that right now mm. we're rebuilding that mm-hmm. yeah we are you know um and but they knew that mm. you know to come by glide when anything happened if it was broken yeah. down yeah. You earthquakes come here. Yeah. you know assassinations you know anything. social uprising you know or upheavals um come by alive yeah you know so um but yeah and i think it's you know it has a long and storied um history for doing that you know, and we've
0: been on this corner as, as long as you've been here. Seventy years, almost <laughs> as old as I am. Seventy years, <laughs> yeah. wow. Nineteen
2: twenty-nine. Wow. Yeah. We're trying to get y'all in the same yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't. Know. I think he just opened. It. If not, we can do it another time. No big deal. Yeah. Thanks, baby. All right, Duff. Okay, thanks. Thank
1: you. Yeah. All right.
0: Oh, let me get the lights up. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Okay. I'll let you know when we. We'll just be here a few minutes. I'll let you know when I leave. Yeah,
1: but, uh, Did he grow up religious? Yes,
0: I grew up Catholic.
1: Yeah. Did it play like a big part? Like did you go to like, s- like mass every Sunday?
0: Oh yeah I, was, yeah, I was an altar boy and I went to the seminary. Really? You went to the seminary? Yeah, for about three months.
1: Wait, was that after uh, going to Vietnam? No, that was
0: before that Vietnam. That was
1: before Vietnam. So you were in seminary school in high school?
0: Right after high school. Right you after
1: go high there, school. You go there immediately after high school. Right, so you were in there and then you got drafted after? I got drafted after right that. Right after, yeah. wow. Do you think if you had stayed, would you have been still drafted
0: in oh, seminary school? I, yeah, because in Chicago, Chicago's a Catholic city. I'm sure they would not have let them draft any any so-called wannabe priests. Yeah,
1: wannabe priests. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. yeah.
0: Because that was a political. You know, Chicago's such a Catholic city. The mayor, the real mayor of Chicago, Mayor Richard J. Daley, he went to mass every morning before he went to the city hall. Wow, wow. Quite a man, I do remember my interaction with him. I delivered this newspaper every day. Really? When you yeah. were a kid? Yeah, when I was a kid. The 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 Chicago Tribune was a blo- two blocks from City Hall. So I worked at the newspaper distributor one block from City Hall. Mm. So when they, you know, as they print papers, the papers start printing at like, let's say they start printing at two o'clock that the press turns on. Mm. So by 220, you're getting the first copies of the newspaper. So by maybe 2.30, they filling up the first truck to deliver them. So mine was the first stop at Chicago Tribune Delivery. So we, I got the first truck. My job was to, as that truck pulled up, to go up there and grab one of the newspapers and run like hell <laughs> a block away to City Hall, get on the elevator with the little lady with the pet pedal, take me up to the mayor's floor, run straight into the mayor's office, pass security, and hand him that newspaper. He would open that newspaper I was standing there Oh shit! He pick up the phone. Stop the press. Take that shit out. Yeah, I'm cousin in the church. That was that was my job, and he would stop that press. So maybe they got out of out of two hundred thousand copies. Maybe they've gotten maybe eight hundred out before he can pick up that newspaper. I mean, wow. before he could pick up that. that and that, so you were off. the
1: kid that was ensuring that he, he could basically say what was going to the right, news and right, what would not
0: Right, 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 So he wait, And as soon as he read the paper, he says, oh, he called security, okay, let's go. He, w- he waited on me before he went home. Wow. And then, then we were all ride down on the elevator together and I would walk him to, to his limo. Did yeah. you ever think about politics? Oh, no. I mean, I'm the mayor of the Tendler now, but <laughs> I, I'm secular mayor. Mm. But someone asked me not too long ago, if I would have stayed in Illinois, what would I have been? I should probably the governor of Illinois easily.
1: Yeah, I can you, imagine that. I mean, just with the way that you interact with people, it's like like you're very affable and, and you're also just like actually trying to serve the public, which is what politics should be about. It should not. be about <laughs> it, not special interests. Not, yeah, not, not often, is it?
0: So I sit out here and talk to Tyrone. And I'll leave here and say, look, man, I got to go. And I'll go straight to the mayor's office and, sit and talk with her. Hmm. And I do this weekly. So, I, and, I, and my conversation is no different between the two. Hmm. I spoke up here Sunday. We got a new, I don't know where, oh, that's a picture there, I think. Hmm. We got a new CEO of Glide after a year search. We got a new CEO. So I'm on the board of directors here. Yeah. So I'm basically her boss. <laughs> and, and so I wasn't able to meet her when she came on board last month. So I had a chance to meet her this past Thursday and I had a whole list of things to talk about the budget, our building, our infrastructure, our staff. I
1: imagine you're coming with with a lot of ideas because like when you've had the breadth of experience that you do being like going from being on the streets to Mm -hmm. now helping those on the streets to now being like the... The quote-unquote mayor, the, the mayor ambassador. Line. Yeah, I mean, like you're you're able to solve problems from all of those different perspectives. People will listen to me because it's like, like I think people listen to you when it's like, oh, he's had my experience,
0: right? You know, and and, and, and I don't like, have you know, to do this. when you talk to me, I don't have to go to Wikipedia. So what the hell is he talking about? I don't need Wikipedia because I've been there. Yeah. So I had the whole bucket list of things we were going to talk about on Glide, hmm. and we and I had a ten minute slot with her. And do you know what we talked about? What? We talked about her daughter, who's, <laughs> who's out here.
1: yeah,
0: Who's out here on these streets. Oh, the mayor. We talked about her. No, the, the CEO of Glide. The CEO we spent of Glide. 10 minutes her daughter's
1: out on the street. Talking
0: about how we're going to get her daughter out, how we're going to get your daughter out, how we're going to get his daughter out these streets. And that's what the conversation turned into something that's real. Wow. We could talk about this building all day long, we can talk about the budget, but we. She chose to talk about how we're gonna bring, how as Glide, we're gonna bring people like her daughter in out these streets, my daughter, your daughter. And I thought, I was so impressed by her relating to it because as a CEO, a business person, me being on the board of directors, we would generally talk about the budget, the the, the workforce and that that, that corporate stuff. But yet we chose to talk about what the reality of what this building is for. Which is?
1: for improving the lives of Improves the people.
0: Improving the lives of people one by one. Mm. And, 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 and imagine that's what's wrong with our homeless situation. Here, Chicago, Los Angeles, uh, Seattle, New York. We try to, we put the numbers out. We got 7,000 homeless. So we're gonna do this. We come out with a template. That's 7,913 individual stories, mm. individual situations. You can't solve it with a template. You got to go to every one of them and quit trying to solve the problems of seven thousand nine hundred thirteen. Let's go out there and do one, and do it well, and then do another one and do it well. Those two, you will never come back in the system. Mm. You go out and try to touch seven thousand nine hundred thirteen a little bit; they're gonna always be in the system because you ain't done nothing but said, "Oh well, we we dealt with not seven thousand nine hundred people today." But what what what, what good was it? Mm. You didn't get them to Z. You got them to B or C or D. You didn't get them to Z. And until you focus on getting every one individual to Z, why go for the numbers? Because you'll never get there. And you're going to have a whole bunch of people that's been touched, but has not been solved.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's like if you spread your efforts over too many people- that you it, can't do that it. Then it becomes zero. It's like almost negligible.
0: And I fight with the Z all the time when they give me quotas, because my several I, I run several organizations. They I say, I'm not doing these quotas. I'm not doing 100 people today. I'll do 10, Mm -hmm. but 10 you ain't never gonna have to worry about again.
1: 10 in terms of what?
0: Resources, Mm -hmm. homelessness, getting them into mental health, getting into substance abuse, getting into a relationship, getting them back home.
1: What are the reasons that you hear and see of why people are on the streets? And what are the reasons that they give you of like, this is how, this is a way that I can get off the streets?
0: Well, number one is, is of course, you and I have the acuity to go out and do anything today. I mean, if I gave you a task, hey, you go over here to Social Security, and then you go over here to DMV, and then you go over here to the insurance company and get all this shit together. By 3 o'clock, you got it done. Our people, because of the drugs, because of insecurity, because of the distrust of society, because of the way society has treated people, they they'll, it'll be a month. And we may run into them a month from now and say, man, did you get, yeah, I'm working on it. Because where you, you will go to DMV and there'll be two people in line. You'll stand there and you'll stand there and, and get it done. My people go to DMV and say, oh man, that's, uh, I, I, I can't do that line. Well, there's only two people, dude. I can't do lines. And we got to understand that. So what we do now, we take them to DMV. We don't send nobody to DMV no more. We don't send nobody to Social Security. We take them to Social Security. You sit down over here, I'll stand in line for you. Because they'll never be able to stand in line and we got to understand that we have to we have to make changes in how we do things because everybody ain't you and me mm. You know, and that's what the government expects me to be able to send you to DMV and you ain't gonna go mm. You know, you don't want to go to feet free Especially if you go and you run into a joint on the way there or run into a rock of cocaine. That's it That's it. That's we can forget about that
1: It's in, in a weird way it feels very like communal. Like there's oh, like, oh, 100%. Yeah. Something that I I, I was, uh, I heard you talk about in another interview is like, uh, you give someone a house, right? And they're like, well, why would I actually want to go in the house? When I'm on the street, I'm seeing all my friends. <laughs> yeah. You know, they're yeah, walking by and they're yeah, saying hi. Right, and it's like, exactly there's, this, right. there's community. Why would I want to stay in a box that like cuts me away yeah. from the people? Um, so like I'm I'm curious like like if you take away the community in this one area when they're on yeah. the streets, how do they, how do you give that community back?
0: That's a very that's a very popular conversation that I have with developers and all. I says when you come up with these affordable housing units, you're dealing with these people that spend their life on the streets in, in community. You can again, just like you said, you can't take that away. So you need to develop a community room in these buildings where people can still enjoy that whether it's inside or outside, but it's gotta be someplace that when you get up in the morning, you're in a room <laughs> no bigger than than this stairway. Mm-hmm. And those were cable. Your, your black and white, not black and white TV, but your TV, your, your channel TV only gets certain stations. Your FM radio don't work because these are masonry buildings. And so you're isolated. Yeah, what do you and do? after about an hour, I'm going outside. <laughs> I'm going. So if you had that day room downstairs, that will solve their problem. That will still give you community, but then after two hours, well, I'm gonna go up and just chill out by myself. You will have the ability to do, to do that. So you gotta give them both worlds because you're taking one world away from them. And again, it's like you've heard, I don't know which interview you heard, but we've given people rooms right here in this building and come out and find them outside uh, a week later, laying in a tent. And, and, and I said, man, we just gave you a room. Yeah, but man, ain't nobody up there. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, I want to hang with my friends. Yeah. I yeah mean, that's and what it's all about. That's really. what it's all about. You know, it's like, that's why
0: people, rich people go to golf courses. They <laughs> they're rich. They don't need no damn golf course, but they go to the golf course. Why? Because they want community. Yeah.
1: And I think that's where where so much of like pain comes from is just like humans without community. Okay. Humans without yeah. friends. Yeah. And yeah. you know, like like that's not human nature. No. Now we're, we're meant meant to man. be social. We're meant to like talk to the people on the street. After talking about how important the social aspect of homelessness was, we left the sanctuary to go back onto the streets. Going back to our conversation about Vietnam, I wanted to know how he ended up in California. So when he came back from doing the medic work in in Vietnam, why did he go to Los Angeles?
0: No snow. No snow? Yeah, I found out that it don't snow in California. Yeah. i was like, all right, no no more time for me. Yeah, that was just two, two words. That was it? Fell in love with LA. Yeah. What did you like most about it? I like everything I love LA today. Yeah. If my kids
1: weren't here, I would be there today. Did you get into doing medic work in Los I be- Angeles?
0: I became a firefighter paramedic. I worked I work downtown Skid Row. Oh, you work Skid Row? Yeah, all rookies have to work downtown. Wow. We had a big station there on 4th and Hill Street, uh, the biggest fire station in the United States. Wow. I think we had 11 trucks in there.
1: So what were you dealing with generally?
0: Oh, uh, assaults.
1: Assaults. Trauma, trauma. Yeah.
0: Traffic accidents, knives, a lot of stabbings. Really? Yeah, a lot of stabbings. We had some some uh, heroin overdoses. But people. one thing people don't understand about overdoses, no one is trying to overdose. And the reason why, if you overdose, you're going to die. Yeah. If you die, you can't get high tomorrow. <laughs> so ain't nobody trying to overdose.
1: Because they want to get you to live that next your high. life to
0: get high tomorrow, and the next day, and the no. next day, right? So,
1: when you saw those like those cases of overdose, like how were how did you think about drugs? Because like probably in the pro- the projects for Chicago, you saw drug use, but you had not done like really any drugs up until and that In my
0: moment. age, growing up as a child in Chicago, we never saw drug use. Really? It, oh hell no! That would be the most embarrassing thing about someone, to be associated with drugs. Really? Oh, it was taboo. Yeah. Especially in the black community. It was to do. You knew, say if, if if this was a square block in Chicago, we knew Tyrone lived up there and he was using drugs. Really? And he was like,
1: and he was ostracized.
0: Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. We knew not to go nowhere near Tyrone. So like, was
1: it just like all drugs are bad?
0: I was anti-drugs. I mean, I went to a Catholic school, went to a seminary, was in the most outstanding unit in the military, the 82nd Airborne Unit and we were just squeaky clean. Yeah. And in
1: Los Angeles you did um, you also you had your daughters there too, right? My
0: daughters were born in LA. Yeah. What was it like
1: raising them in LA? Cuz you had a pretty intense job.
0: It was rough. That's why I left the fire department. Cuz I couldn't handle the 24-hour shifts in childcare.
1: When did you realize you couldn't handle it?
0: I think I was about 6 years into it being a cuz I was a single father. My baby's mama committed a crime. She I had a construction company. And she went in and shot my secretary.
1: Did you see that coming?
0: No, I did not see that coming. I should have read her better. She thought I was having an affair with my secretary, and I wasn't. Mm-hmm. But I should have, being young, I'm young. I didn't, I didn't know the dangers of it. Yeah. I thought she was a completely harmless person, and that's where I re- misread her.
1: When you do, you remember where you were when you found that out? That
0: happened. I actually discovered it. I had a construction company, also, as a
1: firefighter that's a lot to balance construction company and fire
0: yeah well you only work 10 days a month yeah so my office is here so i'm going coming down the street in l.a on hoover street and it's middle of the summer 90 degrees my air conditioners are on uh and i go by my front door's open and i'm saying why the hell would they have the front door open with 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 90 degree weather with the air conditioner so i flip a u-turn and i go in and the girls laying on the floor bleeding to death oh my god yeah so that's how i discovered wow
1: like how did you think about i guess like raising your kids after that
0: oh it was just automatic i was turned out i was probably shocked for years
1: yeah i didn't realize i mean how can you not be shocked yeah how can you not be shocked
0: wow and so you were a single dad
1: with it with uh a, a job that was like i mean you had 24-hour shifts like did you have access to childcare?
0: Not not responsible child care. <laughs> I had to keep bouncing around. Yeah. Cause people weren't just open to twenty-four hour child care. That was kind of new. Yeah. Because traditionally childcare is nine to five. Yeah. So when the needs, when people's jobs and occupations start requiring well and start requiring twenty four hour service, that was a unique niche. And right. and everyone couldn't do it. You know. <laughs> or didn't want to do it.
1: So was there a point where it's just like, I don't know if I can do this and you needed to move?
0: Well, I mean, I was making pretty income. I was making high six figures as as a, as a contractor. Really? So I didn't need the money from the fire department. You were making high six figures as a contractor? I was probably making 500000 you're look, making $500,000? Yeah, in 1970, yeah. I had Holy a, shit. I had a mansion out on the beach. in Palos, I lived in one of the first houses built in Palos Verdes, the state. Oh, my God. Yeah. So you were making, like, really, really good money. I was a HUD contractor. You, couldn't you hire, like, a full-time nanny or something? Nothing worked out. Yeah. Uh, there, was some, there was an issue with everyone I hired. Yeah. So my, I have a sister up here, so... I brought the kids up here to stay up here. Yeah. Because my sister I trusted, and so I would come up, come up on the weekends, uh, to see my kids. And she said, "Why don't you just move up here? You come up here every weekend." Yeah. And that's what I did. So, those are all my staff over there. Yeah. And what we're doing, we patrol this block. So, we cover this block as far as security. uh,
1: Making sure people are safe.
0: Resources, yeah. So when you got to
1: San Francisco, like, did you enjoy it here? Were you thinking about like, oh, this is gonna be a permanent it, move? I've
0: Never enjoyed. It. Oh, I was trying to figure out how, how I can go back to LA. Yeah.
1: Did you get stuck here?
0: I, I'm stuck here. Yeah.
1: Did were you working here too?
0: Yeah. When I first got here, I started working.
1: Yeah. What were you working?
0: I started work as. A, oh, I started as an alarm. I'm an electrician. An electrician. Yeah.
1: Like, were things feeling like stable when you were in San Francisco? And I guess when, when did things become a little bit more unstable?
0: Well, sometime after I got here, I got into drugs and that was an 18 year vacation. 18
1: years. Wow. Were you still taking care of your daughters?
0: Yeah. My, 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 my sister was.
1: Yeah. Yeah. We don't, we don't have to like obviously talk about like how that happened, but what, what, what did a day in your life become?
0: Well, I was, a, I was a functioning, somewhat functioning addict that I knew that if I could successfully work, I would have more money to get high with. So I spent eight hours a day being a very, very successful electrician, businessman, uh, and then the rest of the, the other 16 hours a day was getting high.
1: Wow, the yeah, other 16 hours?
0: Yeah, it's 24 hours in a day.
1: What do you, like, like, when you say other yeah, 16 hours, would you just go to, like, the streets and you would yeah. try to score stuff? Or yeah, what?
0: right here, right I'm on these streets. Really? I'm bored a lot. By the way, this is my sign. This is okay. your sign? Housing Blacks, yeah, I painted this. You painted this? I mean, I did, but, yeah. yeah I, 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 you
1: helped, like, get this
0: Yeah, get it's, this my, it's my project.
1: Wow. Why did you want this here?
0: Well, because we never think about what blacks need, and we need housing. Yeah. So this is the only mural in the United States that addresses that need. Wow.
1: An important message. Yeah. I mean, it seems like yeah, you've like it is. you've. Hey, uh, bro.
0: How you doing, sir? I'm good, man.
1: You've built like a lot of your life mission around it. So.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: So like you were you were working hard and and like still like functioning, but. Going to like the Tenderloins to get high every day.
0: Yeah.
1: Did it, did the balance ever become unbalanced?
0: Oh, of course it did.
1: How long were you able to keep that kind of like, thing I got
0: 18 years doing this.
1: 18 years? Yeah. Did you, um, did you ever, did they ever try to like help you when during that like 18 year fog? Like, did anyone ever try to bring you out of it?
0: I'm sure they did. Yeah. But that's one thing thing about drug use and you can argue this all the way to the to the Supreme Court. Can no one stop using the tool they are ready? You can you can. And that's a big thing we got going on that, right now with that forced uh, drug treatment that mandatory drug treatment.
1: Do you think this is something that like and this is a weird question, but do you think this is something you almost like have to go through?
0: What? No, 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 no. no. You don't have to wreck a truck to know how not to wreck a truck. Yeah. Hey, what's up, man? Yeah, I'm big on that. Yeah. You do, And people say, oh, man, well, everyone needs to go through that. No, you fucking don't. (laughs) No, there's nothing like you got to go through.
1: Yeah.
0: So see, that kind of leads to the question about drug recovery, is is that, and I'm going to ask you this personally.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah. If you were if you were a drug user and you're trying to get clean, who would you pick as your as your counselor, someone that's that, that as your counselor? Yeah. Who would you pick? This person here that's been a 30 year old drug addict that's now clean, or this person here that has never touched drugs in his life? A, a, a drug prefer- both of them are counselor professionals. Been, been the to person school, who's gone got through my degree. experience. You would. I think so. Okay. Okay. Hey, hi. How, how you late? Hey. Would you not? I don't know. That's a, that's why there's no yes or no to that answer. Yeah. So let me let me do do this. If you want to be a truck eighteen wheeler driver, who would you pick as your instructor? A guy that's had twenty five accidents or a guy that's never had an accident. Huh? Probably come on, the guy that has
1: never had an accident. Well you
0: see that just went against what you just yeah, said. Yeah, yeah, no, it's true. That's a good so point. you see where I'm at.
1: Yeah. I guess like the counter to that is like I'm thinking of it. If you uh, have crashed your truck, okay, and you want to know how to fix the truck, okay, I would rather get advice from the guy that has crashed his truck and fixed it, than has never crashed his truck at all. Oh yeah, that's all.
0: a different scenario. Yeah, and I get you in there exactly.
1: I and would, I feel I would like the same in way. in some ways, like the people that are experiencing addiction right now have crashed their trucks a little bit. Yeah. And like I don't know, someone like someone like me, I don't, who hasn't experienced addiction. I don't know if me giving advice to someone is as effective as someone like you who has experienced addiction. And it's like you like I think why you and this is what we were talking about earlier, why you would carry such like weight in this neighborhood is because you're you're on you're on both ends of the coin. You're on if both ends of the Everyone knows my history. Everyone knows. Everybody out here everyone knows my history, yeah. And they probably they've known you through it too. Yeah. I mean you said they've 30 years. 30 they've seen years me that laying on known. the
0: ground. They've seen me laying on the ground.
1: You ever were you ever laying on the ground and you're like Fuck, why am I here?
0: Every day, every night, every day, not every one day, day, every day. And I says, I'm not going to be laying here tomorrow. I'm not going to be, when I get my, because I got paid daily. When I get my pay, I'm going to get me a room. And I, all day long while I'm at work, man, can't wait to get finished to go get me a room, to get out the streets. And as soon, my problem, as soon as they handed me that cash, that room was nowhere inside. The willpower inside. went out the window. No. That was on that cash at the bank. I was cool. Cool. I ain't gonna do drugs no more. As soon as they start counting their money, bro, I started shaking. Start shaking. That was it. That was it. There was no reverse. Wow.
1: But there was someone who would give you a suit. Yeah. Yeah. What happened with that suit? Where were you when that happened? What was your what did your day well, look like in before that, park. that? Where were you? So you were in the park and what were you doing? Selling dope. Just like the people that would come by.
0: Yeah, we control who came in the park. We control what was going on in the park.
1: And so, when this this guy, these guys from the church, came in while you were selling, while you were selling your dope, were you like, "What the hell are you doing here? Like,
0: you're interrupting you're interrupting my my business." I, did that. I let them know. Don't come in with no microphones because I'm selling dope in here. Yeah. So don't come in here with that loudspeaker. Huh. And, and they, they always said, okay. So just that one day is when they decided to bring the suit. Why did they give it to you? Like, why Why you? Well, I, when I sold up, I wore suits. I love suits. I just, yeah. I'm very casual today, because I'm not. Yeah, oh, yeah, you're well-dressed. No, oh, very casual. But, um, so they knew I liked suits. I mean, if this is casual, you're, I, oh, man, I'm, I, I, you're, 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 you're way more dressed up than I am, you got, somebody, you got the swagger. I always wear suits. Yeah. Because, and the reason why I do that, is that when I'm, when I'm talking to a guy on the ground and trying to convince him to get up off that ground and get his life together, I got to show him a reason. I said, man, you know I used to be on that ground right next to you. Look at so, look at what being out. clean, look at what being sober gets you. I can't dress like that and talk to someone on the ground because well, well, you're clean, but you look just yeah. like me. <laughs> and so,
1: you got a suit from this guy. Yeah and what he was he was from the church or something he was a pastor he's a pastor did he did it were there any strings attached to this suit no
0: no just we we know you we see you always wear suits we went and bought your suit that's it yeah that's it what did you think i said that's weird i was thinking what else can i get <laughs> i'm from like, the oh, street. These guys are suckers <laughs> like, yeah you yeah that's word for word what i said that, that's in my book
1: what, what did you do next? How did you try to see if you could get more out of it?
0: I went out to the church the next morning, which is Sunday morning, to service. And one of the guys who invited me, his name was Walter. Yeah. And I told him my name at the park. And I said, I'll come out and see you tomorrow, just casually. Because I didn't wasn't really planning to do it until I thought about it later. I said, yeah, I'll go out there and see what else I can get from these suckers. And uh, Walter was, when I walked in, Walter was standing up by the altar and I just walked past him and pat him on the shoulder and he turned around he said, Dale Seymour, you're here. And I was so impressed that he remembered my name. Really? Yeah. And then that's when everything changed. Right what then. What happened? I wanted to stop. You wanted to up. stop? Yeah. Before you, but but you you had wanted to stop before. I wanted to stop from the first time I got high. Everyone does.
1: Everyone wants to stop from the
0: first moment they get high Yeah. Think? Oh, I do not think I know. Really? Yeah. That's what people don't know. No one wants to be a Dauphin, man. Yeah. But it's what's called a disease. So addiction is a disease. It's not a habit. Yeah.
1: What is the reason that you were ready to change at that moment?
0: I saw some normalcy that I liked. I saw people do things that I would have liked to have done. to, to, to no strings attached, give somebody something. You saw it. I saw these people have an interest in me, excuse me, a personal interest in me. Because the whole church wrapped themselves around me that day. And then I became, I got kind of trapped. Because now I'm forced to show these people something. I got to give them, pay, pay them back for their efforts. And uh, that's how it started. A stack of cocaine would have been no different than looking at that. But that means that... Pile of shit there means nothing to me, mm-hmm. and so that day, that stack of cocaine, imagining cocaine, would meant nothing to me no more. It w- it was like just don't mean nothing no more. I mean, and I've I've had heard people in relationships say they woke up one morning and she don't mean nothing no more. Mm-hmm. I don't feel her no more. Don't want to be with her. Just just whatever. And I guess it would be a similar situation. Where well, I mean, you, just, you had a
1: relationship with this thing for 18 years. Yeah,
0: 18 years. And you just woke up one morning and it just, it's you know, got to go. Because as you've heard my talk already, uh, it was always, I was still addicted. I was definitely addicted. It took a long time for my friends to leave me alone. Yeah. Because they were they like, would come yeah, to like, how's it going? Come like, on, man, like I got how? some good shit here. I got some good shit here. I said, man, I don't get high no more. Oh, come on, man. That's bullshit. Come on, try this. I'll give it to you. Here, try this. And it took a while for them to realize uh, he don't get high no more. And I would walk down the street and someone would come up, hey, leave Dale alone, he don't get high no more. And then then you get that respect. Then you get that respect. Then everyone else like they did around me, everybody else someone would come up to me, everyone else said, leave him alone. He don't get high no more, leave Dell alone. Wow. And um, that's part of that street cred.
1: And eventually you would start doing your, your tenderloin Walking tours, yep, started, and you started Co Tenderloin, and this is the building we are in now. Why did Why did you start this?
0: First of all, I started two different reasons. I started Tenderloin walking tours to give people a positive image of the Tenderloin. So what happened? I started getting the tech communities coming out on the tours, and they start questioning why everyone's hanging out on the corner. Hmm. And I said they don't have any jobs. And 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 and, and I said since you brought this up. Can we get some jobs over at Twitter, over at Microsoft, over at Adobe? And they said, well, you know, you all don't know how to code. I said, okay. So I opened the coding academy. Wow. That's how Code Timeline got started. I got some volunteers from the tech community who've been on my tours. Uh, so I had a list of people that were techies. Yeah. And I started calling them and said, let's set this thing up. Yeah. And we did. I still got volunteers from eight years ago, still still volunteering.
1: I mean, because it's like you're, you're doing such great things. Yeah,
0: right? yeah. yeah.
1: So where is, is Code Tindall in today?
0: We started with two people, and now we got 92 people. Uh, you saw some of them on the street, some of them hanging out here. Uh, and we're working on robotics. We wow. do robotics classes. We do teenagers during the summertime. We have a, a summer program for robotics, and we actually pay them, a, I think, $1,000 a, uh, a month to go to school. Wow. Uh, with us, and they all graduate.
1: What do you think is, like, the biggest misconception um, about homelessness that people outside have?
0: No different than I told you about drug use. No one wants to be homeless. But we're not giving them the choices. Like, your choice, if you had to leave your apartment, you're not going to go to one place and sign the paper. You're going to look at about four or five apartments. We all do, right? Uh, uh, so why do you think my homeless people would not have the same feeling that they're going to take the first thing you offer them? Is that better than the tent? Is the shelter better than the tent? What do you think?
1: I guess like, but it's like, are the people you like going to be in in the shelter?
0: Okay, now you're getting it. You know, okay.
1: like it's like, are, are you, like are your friends going to be there, right? Now, like, I think yeah. that's a, If I'm yeah. on
0: the street, all my friends are here. Mm-hmm. So what's the advantage of that tent? What what what's they own the what, tent. You got. Oh, so you've heard my talk. <laughs> You're cheating. <laughs> I'm cheating. I'm cheating. <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's it. That's it.
1: You know, they don't have anyone looking down and and saying like you can you can't do this, you can't have this. You know, you can't play your music loud.
0: That's exactly word for word. Yeah, you read my. You there's read like my like script.
1: A, and and this is coming from other interviews too. Like there's a freedom to living out here, and like You can't beat it.
0: There's I don't I forget what you all call your energy company down in L.A. We call ours up here PG and E. Yeah. There's no PG and E. You ain't got to worry about coming up with that two hundred dollars every month. No. Like I do or like you do. So that's a it's an economic freedom. You don't have no rent to pay. And in some ways, there's also like a
1: a, a freedom from certain aspects of the law because and and I, I, correct me if I'm wrong here, but like I know in L.A a lot of, they, they push homeless people towards Skid Row. And in Skid Row, things that you would get arrested for in other areas yeah, you, of LA, get arrested, yeah, you yeah. won't get arrested yeah. for there. Yeah. And I think in some ways, uh, they, I mean, the APEC is going on right now, and a lot of, I, I've talked to some officers, and I'm like, oh. yeah, we're, we're pushing people towards the Tenderloin, yeah. right? And it's yeah. like, things that wouldn't be acceptable outside the Tenderloin are acceptable inside. That's exactly right. And so, in a weird way, it's like, that actually, that that you have freedom from the law in these areas too, yes, which is do. is like that. That freedom is like attractive.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. That that. I mean, just the freedom of, of of that takes that stress away, stress from being arrested, stress from being. I mean, I like I said, I got fourteen arrests on that corner over there. I wish we had that freedom then. Yeah. But it wasn't.
1: So do you think that 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 uh? I guess like the lax enforcement in these areas is a good thing or a bad thing?
0: Bad thing, bad thing. that be that be. It's no different than when you're using drugs, or you're addicted to drugs. Using drugs, same thing. You're no longer a responsible person. You're no longer making making practical, responsible decisions anymore. You're no different than 11 year old kid, who'll do anything because they don't know any better. And you wouldn't allow an 11-year-old kid to do whatever the fuck they wanted to do. So why are you allowing Tyrone, who you know is messed up, not in control of his life, not in control of his mind, allow him to do whatever he wants to do? Why would you?
1: There's no barriers. There's no There's no guardrails.
0: We we, we Whatever book you might read, uh, uh faith book you might read, they all say we are our brother's keepers. And how can you say you're, you're your brother's keepers but you let Tyrone do whatever the hell he wants to do, knowing he has no control over it?
1: it's not right so you think that like you would want to see more policing in some of these cases more enforcement not more police enforcement.
0: policing would be an equation hmm. cuz they're they're not maybe we need a separate drug police trained clinicians that have the authority to make decisions to have authority to have someone put in put in control or custody or conservativism. So like, but not a policeman that goes out and arrests people for drunk driving and abuse. A, a force that's, our clinicians that have gone to UCLA or, or, or Stanford or wherever and got their certificates for clinical drug management.
1: Looking back at, at your life story mm-hmm. and like everything that you've done, everything you've accomplished, like what's one piece of advice that you'd give someone who maybe was on the streets wanting to get better?
0: Just just look for those opportunities of recovery because they could come any day. They could, And I tell people all the time, an hour from now, it may come to you. You get an opportunity like I got and take that opportunity. Don't, t- don't turn the opportunity away. Take that opportunity. And that's what we don't do. We don't take those opportunities. I would have been clean years before if I would have took opportunities that came to me along the way. Uh, and I just, I, I didn't take them.
1: Thank you so much for listening. If you haven't already, make sure to subscribe, rate the podcast five stars, and share with a friend. If you have any questions or comments, DM us at Finding Founders Podcast on Instagram, LinkedIn, or Facebook. Finding Founders is produced and hosted by me, Samuel Donner. Our audio editing team lead is Ashley Jimenez, with support from Jessica Morales, Miley Lipton, Lipton Siyu Pan, Kenny Ray, Josie
0: Yo.
2: Matt Fernandez
0: and Merit Hill our outreach and research team lead is Desiree Nunez with support from Marissa Granados Monica Lee Sarah Tiersmer
1: and Yao Liu. to see more of what we're up to subscribe to our newsletter at findingfounders.co thanks again for listening and see you next week